only the best run here at the Indianapolis 500. Mario, who do you feel you'll have to beat in this year's race? People like uh, A.J. Foyt and uh, Bobby Unser, for instance. Stand by for the checkered flag. Absolutely incredible. Danny Sullivan spun in front of Mario Andretti. A.J. has done it. He has won his fourth Indianapolis 500. Beyond the Bricks with Jay Query and Mike Thompson on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Another beautiful night in Indianapolis. Any night's a beautiful night in Indianapolis when it's the month of May and you're talking about the greatest spectacle in racing, the Indianapolis 500-mile race and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. My name is Jake Query and Mike Thompson, who just about five minutes ago finally turned down his Menudo Greatest Hits because he's been tapping his toe since we played Indianapolis last night, joins me as well. Mike, good evening to you. Good evening. I uh, I just did actually. I, I've had that on all day, and and I've also been mixing in because I got I got a lot of tweets about Bobby Allison today. So I've, I've been listening to that as well. <laughs> well, then I'll bet you could not be more thrilled to be able to finally turn that down to be able to do this radio program this evening, right? Exactly. Hey, uh, Mike, are you a fan of birthday cake? I like birthday cake. Yes, very I much. Think, I think everybody likes birthday cake, right? Uh, we are celebrating tonight, folks, a birthday and a career and an ongoing career for that matter, oftentimes on Beyond the Bricks. And that is the point of this program is talking about the personalities, the stories, the backstories of those who have made the Indianapolis 500 what it is. And tonight we will tell the story and celebrate the ongoing career of somebody celebrating. And Mike, I, I knew this, but I didn't know it. When I was looking today and I saw, you know, I knew obviously that it was his birthday, but I was even, and tomorrow I will be again when I see it again, I was surprised to see that Elio Castroneves is 47 years old. Time flies, man. It does. Yeah, absolutely. There's no question about that. I was surprised by that as well. So today is the 47th birthday of the fourth man to win four Indianapolis 500 mile races and we will tell the story in his words and in his accomplishments of Elio Castroneves. He was born on this day, the 10th of May in 1975 in Sao Paulo, Brazil, which of course is the biggest city in the country of Brazil. At birth his name actually was Elio Alves de Castro Neves with Castro and Nevis being two separate words of his surname. He was born to a woman who was an educator, strongly believed in education, and a father who was involved in a number of different businesses, including kind of hobbying in stock cars and stock racing, but primarily in the construction-type business, in the building of um facilities that allowed for construction throughout Brazil. So when Elio was a young boy, his family, along with his older sister, moved about 150 miles north of Sao Paulo. And trust me, folks, when I say this, I hope that I'm pronouncing the name of the town correctly. It's a city of about a million people where he lived. So basically the size of Indianapolis. Uh, Ribeiro Preto. Did I say that correctly, Mike, to your knowledge? I believe that is correct, yes. Okay. That is the area where Elio Castroneves, about 150 miles north of Sao Paulo, Brazil, moved. And at that age, he began and got introduced to karting. 
But before we get to that, let's hear from just recently in an interview that I conducted along with Kevin Bowen on our morning show here on 1075thefan.com. Here's Elio Castroneves explaining exactly where it is that he came from in his upbringing. Yeah, no, I, I came from the, you know, the, the countryside, let's put it this way. Uh, uh, where I was born, is, uh, it was Sao Paulo, but my, my parents moved very, um, uh, about 150 miles north from Sao Paulo. It's, it's a place, you know, it, very, it's just like a little bit like Iowa, you know, the, the sugar cane. It was not the corn, corn but the sugar cane. Well, there is corn now. With sugar cane, coffee, uh, uh, very warm. The, the, in fact, the the land they call like a. <laughs> every time you walk around, they call you red foot because there was some that clay type of a uh, dirt. You know, it's very. Uh, it was very strong because the, the the obviously the land was very fertilized. So it's, it was anything you plant, it, it grows. Uh, so I come from that side, um, and um, which is which is. I started going to Sao Paulo, which is the capital uh, of uh, of the, the state of Sao Paulo, and and I'm start going out there racing, and it was kind of like when I met my buddy Tony Cana and uh, uh, Bruno Junqueira, a uh, uh, bunch of other drivers, Felipe Giafoni, all these guys that they are from there. And, and for me, it was awesome because every time I was traveling to Sao Paulo, I was I was going to see my friend as well. So it turned out to be a great. Um, a great childhood, I have to say. What What did your parents do for a living? My dad, my mom is a uh, sort of like taking care of a, uh, make sure that the kids are well prepped and educated. My my dad used to have a small company with uh, construction sites, you know, like uh, uh, for for the cities and things like that. So it was really, and he was very very risk taker. I have to say, uh, without him, I probably wouldn't be able to do what I was doing because he was. One point, betting everything, in the, even the company, uh, into uh, into my racing career, and um, yeah, I, I'm I'm grateful for that. When you think about it, Mike, first and foremost, the thing that really jumps out at that is Elio Castroneves is a young boy, and what happened was he got introduced really to karting as a young boy, and then was put into a go kart at the age of 11 kind of to the I'm not going to say dismay of his mother I don't want to speak to that but his mother was very concerned about obviously his schooling and whether or not racing was the right path because the odds are astronomical of course that one would be able to break through in racing but as he talked about his father was very supportive of his racing career at the age of 13 Elio essentially was homeschooled at that point in order to facilitate his racing career and the commuting as he had mentioned going back and forth to Sao Paulo on the weekends while his mother still oversaw, and as you can tell, obviously very educated guy uh, and very intelligent. But, Mike, it is fascinating to think that at the age of 11, 12, 13 years old, and he he won a, a national karting championship in Brazil by the age of 13, but he was go-karting against Felipe Gifoni, who finished with him in a top five in the same race in Indianapolis. Bruno Junquera, who was a pole sitter at Indianapolis, Tony Kanaan, himself an Indianapolis 500 winner. It's amazing to think that at those at the red clay of Brazil, it wasn't just the crops that grew richly in that area, but racers as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, an incredible amount of talent uh, that he was facing. And, uh, you know, and some inspiration, too. I think we'll have a soundbite later on uh, where he talks about, uh, you know, people who inspired him. And there'll be a name in that soundbite that uh, will resonate with with fans of auto racing 
in that in that soundbite. But uh, an incredible, incredible legacy that Brazil uh, has produced with with auto racing. Just uh, just an amazing legacy. When you look down the list of people, as you just you just named off a few of them, but uh, incredible, incredible legacy of, of Brazilian drivers. And it's interesting because Castro Neves talked about the fact that he grew up in the land where sugarcane and coffee beans were prevalent. And so one would think that perhaps that's where a guy who is so known for his constant energy and upbeat nature is constantly drinking coffee with a ton of sugar in it. It would make sense based on just the energy that he exudes. But in reality, he has said that he'll have the occasional latte, but overall not a coffee or sugar drinker. And the energy that he has actually stems from a mindset. I have a rules. Every time you wake up grumpy or sort of like uh, tired or lazy, what's going to happen? Your whole day is going to end up like that. So I'm trying to wake up every, even if I have those feelings. Don't get me wrong. I'm a human being as well. I, I do have get, get tired and, and lazy sometimes. But I'm trying to always, every time I have those feelings, like, you know what? No, no, no. Let's, uh, let's snap out of it. Have a good day, and then the day is going to be better. So that's my rules. But yeah, I have some days that it's uh, it's not the way you sometimes expect it, but it is what it is. One of those days he had recently. We'll get to that upcoming in this show. But Mike, people ask me a lot, and I want you to expand on this from your observation. One of the most frequent questions that I get from people that realize, or once it comes up in discussion, that I'm you know, working for the IndyCar radio and I'm there at practice sessions and qualifying sessions and the race weekends and have been not for the entirety of Elio Castroneves' career, but the better part of it. 2007 is when I joined the network. I'd covered the 500s prior to that for local television. But they asked me, is is Castroneves really like that? Is that really what he's like? Mike, I'm not going to lie to you. It took me a number of years before I finally realized and had the epiphany that really is the real Elio Castroneves. Oh, yeah. I mean, I agree with that. Uh, I've never I've only interviewed him a few times. And, you know, there's some there's some guys that I would say, you know, have an interview face and, uh, you know, what they're like other times. And uh, Elio's kind of like this all the time, basically. I mean, he's he's turned on all the time. He's uh, when he walked in uh, for, you know, you know, the the situation where they have the interviews the couple of days before the 500 on Thursday, where they bring all 33 drivers and they bring them to, uh, you know, their own little table. And then there's a kind of a gaggle at each table and Elio comes in and he, he is zero to 100. He's at a hundred when he walks in and sits down at the table. I mean, he's not one of those guys who has to warm up. He's, he's immediately uh, at Elio. I mean, he's Elio when the time he walks in and sits down and, and he's answering questions and, and, you know, he doesn't take any time to warm up or anything like that. And so he's, yeah, he's, it's kind of what you see is what you get. Castro Nevis's karting career, as I had mentioned, already was winning him trophies by the age of 13 and 14. Around that time, he began watching races from Formula One to kart to a number of different series. And his go-karting career actually took him outside of Brazil by the time he was a teenager. As a matter of fact, In 1990, he traveled to Italy to race in a go-karting race in Europe for the first time. But there was a snafu, and when he got there, they had some translation problems and some issues with his registration papers for the actual race itself, and he was held out of the race at the last minute. But then, at the 11th hour, he was readmitted back into the race when another driver suffered an injury, and they managed to get his paperwork squared away. 
at the 11th hour. That would become a theme that we will discuss later in the career of Elio Castroneves. But by 1991, he didn't have any registration problems when he was racing in both Switzerland and France. Like so many, Mike, this is a driver whose career we think, because it was when we were first introduced to him in the turn of the century, that he was just hitting the scene. But he was leaving his footprint in many, many different series and many different karting aspects long before we knew of him in kart and then in IndyCar. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's like that for a lot of guys. Uh, You know, a lot of times we'll hear people and it sounds like it's a Cinderella story, but I mean, obviously – you know, his, his buddy, Tony Kanan is, is just like Elio. I mean, tremendous background before he ever got into, uh, you know, indie lights and things like that. And obviously, you know, I, I think, you know, people may not remember that Tony Kanan and, and Elio were, were teammates in indie lights. And in fact, uh, they used to live about two miles away from where I'm sitting right now in, in Columbus, Ohio, in a small apartment together when they drove for Tasman. So, uh, you know, those two guys, you know, they've known each other a long time and they, they were teammates with Tasman. And, and so, you know, tremendous background, no question. So in 2001, Elio Castroneves, after a number of years, as we had talked about in running in different series, he came to the Formula Chevrolet Brazil by 1991. And like so many, as Mike had just mentioned, he had raced in a number of different series, predominantly in Brazil and then going back and forth to Europe in different aspects before finally he got his break, and I hate to say his break, so to speak, because as we had talked about, Mike, and this is the tragedy, of course, that comes with racing, but for Elio Castroneves, when he first got his opportunity, you know, and he had watched Cart, right? So he was familiar with it. He knew everything that took place in terms of those particular cars, what they look like, and he had his opportunities. As a matter of fact, He came over in January of 1998. Tony Bittenhausen Jr. had invited him to test for one of the teams at Sebring. So he had familiarity with the cars themselves, but tragedy struck in terms of auto racing, and that's where Castroneves got his big break. Well, yeah, he he had driven for for Tony Bettenhausen's team in 98 uh, on the kart trail. And, and had some success. I mean, he had a second place finish in Milwaukee and started to show that, that he was, you know, kind of up and coming, but he had a lot of, they had a lot of trouble with that, with the car that year. And then he had moved on uh, to Carl Hogan's operation the next year in 1999. And again, you know, he had some, some top tens and I think he had another second place finish. Um, I, I forget where the other second place finish he had in, in 99 was, but, but, but ran card again in 1999 and had started to show again that he was, you know, an up and coming star. Um, but as you mentioned, I mean, he he got his his you know his big break. Unfortunately, came because of a, of a terrible tragedy, uh, which was the loss of Greg Moore, who I considered a friend, um, one of the nicest people in the history of the world. I mean. I loved Greg Moore unabashedly. The guy was one of the, I mean, he was just, he couldn't have been any nicer person. Um, was as friendly a person with the fans as you ever would want to meet. Um, I mean, I could, I could honestly sit here for an hour and tell you Greg Moore stories and just tell you what a great guy he was. Um, you know, and, and I get a little bit of a lump in my throat every time I think of Greg because he was he was just anytime if, if you hear a Greg Moore story and somebody tells you what a great guy Greg Moore is, I'll tell you any story you hear about Greg Moore. I mean, it's true because he was that good of a guy. Um, and sadly, um, you know, we lost Greg 
on Halloween uh, in an accident in 1999, and and he was fatally injured in an accident there in in California, and he had he had already signed with Roger Penske for the next year, and he was going to run run full time for Penske the next year in 2000, and and it's one of those you know, but for the grace of God, go I type situations, because I mean, Greg Moore would have been an Indianapolis 500 winner. I, I firmly believe that. And, you know, Greg Moore had the talent to be a four-time Indianapolis 500 winner, certainly. Uh, so, you know, un- unfortunately what happened with Greg, um, Elio was, was tabbed to be the replacement for Greg, uh, who had already signed, as I said, with Penske to drive the 99, you know, Penske racing car the next year. And, and the the rest is history from Elio's, you know, from the perspective of that Elio went on to to get that ride that that because of the fact that we lost Greg. So Marlboro, shortly thereafter with the tragedy of Greg Moore, was kind of pressuring Roger Penske's team to find a replacement driver. Elio Castrodevis at the time was being represented by Emerson Fittipaldi, a relationship that he cultivated when he was also working doing some driving for or the discussion for Chip Ganassi Racing with Alex Zanardi heading to Formula One. There were a lot of moving parts in all of this. But Castroneves decided to part with Emerson Fittipaldi in terms of his representation. And after the Greg Moore tragedy within the week, because of the pressure that Marlborough was putting on it to find a replacement driver, Roger Penske, Tim Sendrick, and Alan Miller sat down with Castroneves and negotiated a contract for him, a three-year contract, that would lead Elio Castroneves to become a driver for Roger Penske's team, which, of course, at that time, during the split of CART, was not running in the year 2000 in the Indianapolis 500, keep in mind. Chip Ganassi was. Juan Montoya won that race. But in 2001, Elio Castroneves, running for Roger Penske, did come to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. He started in the 11th position in that first race, but at the end... He found him spot. He found himself, I should say, ten spots higher. Here is Mike King's call on the IMS Radio Network. It is going to be a Penske sweep. Castro Nevis is first to fair and is second for the final call. The voice of the 500, Mike King. It's not a tour de force. It's a tour de Penske. Elio Castro Nevis leads the final 51 laps and wins the 85th Indianapolis 500-mile race. His teammate Joe DeFerrin is second. Chris Denary on that call as well in turn number four. It really was, Mike, at the time, there was a lot made about the fact that with the bitterness of the split, that cart drivers, Castroneves, DeFerrin, Michael Andretti, Jimmy Vassar, Bruno Giancara, and Tony Stewart finished one through six. As a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Nicholas Manassian was the only cart driver that did not finish in the top six. He was down in the seventh position, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going a little bit off memory there. But nonetheless... It was a win that I think a lot of people that were familiar with racing knew of Elio Castroneves, but a lot of people that just came for the annual event of the Indianapolis 500 to familiarize themselves with drivers at that time were relatively unfamiliar, but it wouldn't take long for them to see the energy exuding from the young Brazilian, Mike. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I knew of Elio because I I was on the cart side of the split. I think everybody who knows me knows that I was a cart guy. Um, and so I went to the cart races and so, um, you know, I knew Elio. And so I was obviously pretty excited to see Elio getting an opportunity at, at IMS. Um, but one of the things I think really endeared Elio right away to the fans was, I think you may remember this, Jake early on in practice that month, he had not an accident, but he kind of got up 
against the wall and brushed the wall a little bit and left left a mark on the wall. And Elio went out there with a paintbrush, paint roller, and and repainted the wall and kind of had some fun with it. And people could see some personality and and some, you know, hey, this guy's pretty fun. He looks like he's having a good time. It's it's not and and obviously people, you know, I don't like to spend a lot of time talking about the split because to be honest with you, it's something I prefer to forget uh, that all that went on. But, you know, it was not one of these, oh, here's one of those guys from card who's going to come in and, you know, and and he's just going to take our money and leave type situation. You know, he Elio came in and, he, you know, everybody saw how fun he was and and he was having a good time. And, and I think that that incident was really important, I think because of the fact that Elio went out there, had a good time with the paint roller, had some fun with the track workers. I mean, he didn't have to do that. I mean, it, but it was a situation that Elio was being Elio and having some fun. Like, you know, like he said in that soundbite, you said, at the, you know, played at the beginning of the show, you know, he woke up that day and said, you know, let's have some fun with this. And, and that's Elio. And I think that really helped to endear him to the fans that first year. I think there is no doubt about the fact that people were, a lot of them, Mike, wondering what the reception was going to be and wondering whether or not Castro Nevis or if it had been DeFerrin or, you know, Vassar or others, what their reverence would be for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And Elio Castro Nevis left little doubt about what the place meant by going with a tradition that we would become very familiar with. He's going to get out on the front straight. Let's see what happens with the 68. He's going to climb, climb the, fence. the fence. He is out of the car, and Elio Castro Neves climbs the fence in the front straight. This has become <laughs> his trademark of sorts. It's a trademark that would become very familiar with the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and it wouldn't be long before we'd see it again. We'll hear about that, and we'll hear where that all began when we return to Beyond the Bricks on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. What year is Hello? My name is Ray Marquette of the Post, and I'd like to talk to Mr. Granatelli about the Indy 500 race. Andy's already at Indy, but this is Mrs. Granatelli, and I can assure you that this year, like every year, leading drivers at Indy will have STP going for them, because nothing cuts heat, friction, and wear like STP oil treatment. Fine, but I need a quote about the race. How about STP is the racer's edge? Nineteen seventy one, Mike, I believe, was the year you might have heard me asking Sam right there what year that was. That was thirty years before Elio Castroneves first win. The STP advertisement, right, that you have pulled. Was that off radio or television? That was off radio. Fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Jake Query here along with Mike Thompson. Mike, tonight we're talking about the birth date, the forty seventh birthday of Elio Castroneves. That is correct. I have a quick question though I'd like to ask if you don't mind. Okay. Um, I heard a spot in that last break where it said that you're doing an appearance at World of Beer. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. Okay, so what I wanted to know is I was listening to some old uh, tapes, and I think I shared this one with you before, that Donald did an appearance at an appliance store. <laughs> so I wanted to know how you drew World of Beer and Donald got the appliance well, store back in the day. Donald got World of Gear. <laughs> and I got World of Beer. Um, that is actually a promotion. Thank you for allowing me the shameless plug, uh, plug, Mike, on this Friday evening. As a matter of fact, you and I, a little peek behind the curtain for folks, we have done a few of these shows already recorded. This is live tonight, by the way. It is 8.31 p.m., in case you're wondering. Um, and 
we've done a few shows recorded. One of them will run this Friday because I will be at the World of Beers uh, at 8 o'clock, I believe it is. I'll check the exact time. But we will be giving away tickets for the Grand Prix, and that is courtesy of Miller Lite. So Miller Lite put that together, and Kyle Knezovich, who is there and available for all of your sales needs if you are wanting your message or branding spread through the MS Communications Radio Network, Kyle is your guy. Um he put it together and said, hey, can you do it? And I said, absolutely. I would love to do it. So that's what we'll be doing uh, this Friday indeed. 8 o'clock, World of Beer on Mass Ave. Uh, so come by and have an ice-cold Miller Lite, and we'll have some fun and give away tickets to the Grand Prix. Tonight we are, Mike and I, talking about Elio Castroneves. It is his 47th birthday, the four-time winner of the Indianapolis 500-mile race. You heard earlier about the fact that Elio took the checkered flag in his very first Indianapolis 500 the question was, could Elio go two for two? And the answer came with a familiar call from the same man who called his first win. Here is Mike King, the final call, 2002, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Radio Network. The lead is down to two and a half car lengths. Elio Castro Neves looking for two in a row. Paul Tracy has him in his sights. All the qualifying struggles for Team Green, but boy, Paul Tracy looking good right now. A crash back in two as Tracy Tracy. will take the yellow flag. It looks like he will win the Indianapolis 500 as the yellow and white are displayed. Paul Tracy made the pass on the north end, and let's wait and see. According to race control, the pass will not stick. Paul Tracy will move back to second place. Elio Castro Neves will be shown as the leader, we believe. We'll check on this. The pass was made on the north end of the racetrack as yellow waved on the course. So we'll have to wait and see how this will stand right now now obviously i misspoke there it's a little bit different in the call it is still mike king what you heard was kevin lee in turn number two mark james in turn number three chris denary in turn number four and what happened there as castro nevis was essentially trying to conserve fuel because it was a question of whether or not he would make it to the end at full rich fuel paul tracy was charging in his team green 7-eleven machine and Paul Tracy, as they went into turn number three, appeared to make the pass, at least in the eyes of many. But at the time that that was happening, back in turn number two, as you heard Mark mention, Laurent Radon and Buddy Lazier got involved in an accident. And so, therefore, the yellow light came out. Mike, we could probably do an entire week's worth of shows on the controversy that was the 2002 finish. Certainly, this is probably not the forum for us to opine on what we believe. I know that Mark Janes is adamant, as he was up in turn three, that he saw the accident before the pass. In fact, his call would indicate exactly that. The question came from the areas of telemetry and different teams supplying video, supplying computer telemetry, as to whether or not Paul Tracy, and just because he might have been higher on the track, they had to determine whether or not he was further on the track. When it came down to it, the decision was made that the ruling was not up for appeal. And so as a result of that, Elio Castroneves, who did take the checkered and caution simultaneously and had enough fuel to get towards the end, Elio Castroneves was declared the winner despite a costly appeal from Team Green. That is correct. And... 
what I always say about that race is uh, basically Elio Castroneves' face is on the Borg Warner Trophy, so that's the end of the discussion. It was not up for <laughs> appeal, correct? Yeah, it's not up for appeal. I mean, he's on the trophy, and he it was determined that he won the race, and he's on the trophy, and he's the 2002 Indianapolis 500 winner. And so Castroneves went two for two. Now, a year later in 2003, what a lot of people forget, Mike, is that Quite frankly, Elio Castroneves could have gone three for three. But late in the race, as he came around, he came up on the backmarker car of A.J. Foyt IV and got checked up just a little bit. That allowed his teammate Gilles DeFerrin to pass him. And Gilles DeFerrin, who is also one of the true nice guys in our sport, Gilles DeFerrin got his Indianapolis 500. Yeah, I mean, Elio went first, first, second. And, I mean, he led 52 laps and won, and then he led 24 laps and won and led 58 laps and finished second. So, I mean, incredible start to his career at Indian, in the Indianapolis 500 with a first, first, and a second. So, Castro Nevis then all of a sudden was on the fast track. Pardon the pun there, right? And so, you're starting to think to yourself, could this in fact be a guy that could start accumulating lots of wins at Indianapolis? Well, after that, still the finishes were very, very strong. As a matter of fact, he finished in the ninth position, a top 10 in 04, another top 10 in 05. Then he had an accident in 06, finished in 25th position. Again, started on pole, finished third in 07, started fourth, finished in the same spot in 08. Then in 2009, a race where towards the end of it, he really started to put it in his hip pocket. Elio joined the three-time winner's club. Open the door to the three-time winner's club. There's a brand-new member, and his name is Elio Castro-Neves. The fist race in the air. The twin-checkered flags. Elio wins it. Well in his second. Danica Patrick is third. There was so much mayhem after win number two because he pulled the car in. Of course, the car essentially was out of fuel in 2002. He got out of the car. He was emotional with Tim Sendrick and Roger Penske. His mother was there, and in Portuguese, was repeatedly saying to him, you are the best, you are the best. His mother, who had some hesitation when he was a little boy about his racing career, but of course now it was all coming for Elio Castroneves. And now in 2009, once he won the race, he got to continue a tradition that, of course, now we had all come to expect. He's pointing to the fence. It's like Babe Ruth calling his shot. <laughs> he wants to go to the fence, and he will. Elio Castroneves is on the fence, and Kevin Lee, what a scene. Down there as he climbs, the Brazilian flags are flying, and the crowd Elio goes wild. Elio is climbing the fence, pumping that left fist. The team, Rick Reinemann, and the entire Penske team saluting the fans, celebrating for the third time at Indianapolis. So Elio Castroneves became a three-time winner, again climbed the fence. He won all three of those races, of course, with Roger Penske. Things would change a little bit in the future. We will get to that. But here's Elio Castroneves on why it is that he got those three wins and why for Roger Penske and why it is that Roger Penske always had that winning touch. They always say that the three P's is what's the key of Penske. Penske himself, preparation, and people. Is that? Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. Today, the success of Roger and Team Penske, it's not because of, a, uh, you know, one person, but it's because of people. And Roger always says that. It's, uh, it's about the combination. When we work together as a team, the results show up. So that's Elio Castroneves. Mike, you did that interview when? Probably about five years ago? That was 2016, I okay. did that. Right, it was right before the 100th running. The 100th running. So Elio Castroneves now finds himself 
uh, finds himself there as a three-time winner. The question is, with each one of those wins, of course, he would always climb the fence. Where did that come from? We'll hear that from Elio Castroneves, as well as what it sounded like and what the mood was like when he joined the most elite fraternity in motorsports. And we'll get to that when we come back celebrating the 47th birthday of Elio Castroneves on this Beyond the Bricks, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. But Elio Castroneves, the savvy vet, he's not done. Michael, he's already carved it down to four car lengths. Alex Pillow enters turn two, about a four-car length advantage over Elio Castroneves. Pato Award about five car lengths to the rears. Here comes Pato Award to the middle. Now down low, back to the middle of the back straightaway. Bob and we, Bob and we, Pillow trying to hold off Castroneves. The fans in turn number three are pumping their fists for Alex Pillow and Elio Castroneves. Elio Castroneves, a couple of car lengths behind Pillow. They exit turn number four. A two-car length advantage for Pillow. Elio Castroneves with a strong runoff of turn number four. They are snaking their way down the straightaway. Elio to the high side and turn number one. Boyt, Unser, Mears, and maybe Castroneves. Elio takes the lead on a turn one. We have two laps to go in the 105th running of the Indianapolis 500. Elio Castroneves, a six-car length advantage over Alex Pillow. They make their way down the back straightaway. Four-car length advantage. Get on your feet, turn number three. Everybody jumping for Elio Castroneves. The king of the dancing takes his way through turn number three. Throws up some dust. Pillow, two car lengths behind him. They're all on their feet, but there's a lot of traffic in front. Elio Castroneves, the lead out of four. And the white flag will fly on the 105th running of the Indianapolis 500-mile race. And in turn number one. If Alex Pillow is going to get Elio Castroneves, it's not in turn one. Elio leads into the short shoot. Five cars ahead of our leader, a new team, and a new life for Elio Castroneves. Ryan hunter Ray is in front of Elio Castroneves. Two car length advantage down the back straight away for the final time. All kinds of traffic now as they work their way into turn number four. But it's Elio Castroneves behind Ryan hunter Ray trying to hold up Alex Below. Castroneves looking for number four, Chris. A two car length advantage. Elio Castroneves trying to become a four-time winner out of turn four. Off turn four for the final time. Elio Castroneves comes to the start finish line. Quinn checkers out and then there were four. Elio Castroneves joins the four-time winners club. He wins the 105th running of the Indianapolis 500-mile race. <laughs> oh, my God. Unbelievable. Oh, my Unbelievable. goodness. Oh, awesome. my goodness. Wow, what a absolutely fa- Elio Castroneves to come back. Not knowing if he's ever going to drive a car. No. Comes back, goes to this team first time and wins. Oh, unbelievable. Nick Yeoman in turn number one with the call that will live for a long time, listing the four-time winners of the 500. Michael Young in turn number two. Chris Denary in turn number four. Mark James, Davey Hamilton in the booth as Elio Castroneves won number four. Then in victory lane, he was caught up to by IMS Radio's Ryan Marine. AJ Foyt, Al Unser, Rick Mears, and now the name Elio Castroneves. Elio, you are a four-time winner of the Indianapolis 500. Wow, this is unbelievable. Um, I can't thank enough the Auto Nation Series XM group, Mike Shank, G. Meyer, uh, Liberty Group. They were, um, they never stopped believing in me. And, uh, 
I can't believe it, man. I, <laughs> I still, it's still heaven. Uh, I still can't believe it. Um, what a great moment towards to the end. I'm playing around, make sure that I, uh, I put my my, uh, my car in the right position. And when I saw the traffic, I was like, that's it. I gotta make it happen. And that was uh, that was experience in talking, I have to say. So I wait for the right time to make a move, and it, it made it happen. Since your third win in 2009, you've been in so many of these close duels to the finish with Ryan Hunter Ray, with Takuma Sato. What did you learn from those that enabled you to come out on top of this duel to the finish today? Well, you know, you learn one day, and that's what I did. I, I the right moment, and uh, I saw it, I took it, and never never looked back. You took a moment, several moments, in fact, to celebrate with this crowd. They been supporting you since you won your first race as a rookie. What does their presence mean? What did that moment to celebrate with them mean? I don't know, man. <laughs> it's an incredible moment. Uh, <clears throat> I get emotional because these fans, uh, last year was so tough, and this year, we don't have full grandstand, but uh, you got the feeling, and um, thank you, the fans. Uh, I have the best fans in the world, and I'm so honored to have them. Helio Castroneves, back in May when he won his fourth Indianapolis 500-mile race. He was, by the way, or is one of, he was the second of three. Tony Kanaan would later join Brazilians in terms of birthplace to win the Indianapolis 500. Gilles de Ferrin was born in France, but of course raised in Brazil. Here's Elio Castroneves on those that have inspired him. My dad always inspires me to become who I am, the person that I am. But in the professional way, Ayrton Senna was a guy that inspires me. I always want to be like like him, and uh, and that's the way that's the way it is. I want to be like him. I want to have a haircut like his. I want to walk like him, talk like him, in every way. When you have a hero, uh, you want to be like that hero. And Castro Nevis, even though there were those that walked the path before him and will long after. Elio Castroneves put his own stamp, of course, on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway lore and racing lore in general with that fence climb. It is what you, if you pick up this year your bronze or silver badge for garage or pit access at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, you'll see right there on the pin, it is that of Elio Castroneves climbing the fence. It'll be remembered for a long time. Here's Castroneves on where that all began. Yeah, that was the uh, first time was in 2000 uh, in Detroit. And it was so cool, man. Uh, I, like I said, I was supposed to go to the victory circle and I ended up stopping at the finish line. Um, sort of like a slightly small mistake. And and um, and I look at my left, the crowd was going nuts. So I was like, oh, I got to do something different here. And that's what I did. I ended up uh, get out of the car, climb the fence. It was sort of a, it was a sporadic moment. I had no idea. Uh, I never planned. And uh, it was, it was it was awesome. It was, and then from there on, I was like, "Wow, why don't we start doing that every race?" And people start asking for, "Hey, I'm going to be sitting in the section three. Uh, can you climb the fence over there?" I was like, "Sure." I don't even know where section three is, but uh, it was cool um, that people start sort of like requesting that. So it's not to be fun. Elio Castroneves won last year's race, of course, in a Meyer Shank car. That was his first time with the team. You heard Michael Young say, a new team and a new life. Mike, he will be back with Meyer Shank Racing coming up in May, and he had an incident during the test where he dinged up that car a little bit, and he was open about the fact that that car was perfect, and they basically said, let's put that thing in bubble wrap and get it ready for May. And he was distraught at the test a couple of weeks ago when he had that 
ding. But, of course, the guy's got the car ready, and it's going to be fun to see what he can do with it coming up here in a couple of weeks. Oh, definitely. And you could you could see how distraught he was when, when he had the accident, um, you know, just – just standing there staring at it that uh, that he had dinged it up and and because I think they had massaged that car to be perfect and be ready for the race so uh, but I mean great crew I mean you know Meyer Shank Racing does a fine job and, and he'll be ready he'll definitely be ready when uh, practice opens up Mike we heard some fun victory lanes from Elio Castroneves tonight I think maybe tomorrow night we might take a dip into hearing some more so we'll do that again tomorrow night uh, when we come back so much fun we're going to do it again tomorrow right Mike Sounds good to me. All right. Elio Castroneves speaks three languages, his primary, of course, Portuguese. So what better way to celebrate his birthday than what I assume is the happy birthday song in Portuguese? Here it is. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 8 o'clock on Beyond the Bricks. Uh-huh.